1: All right, it's, been it's Good Show, 105.3 The Fan. If you've been listening to our show, then you know Michael Gallup was returning to practice this week, and the Cowboys optimistic that he will be able to play uh, this weekend in a big game uh, against the Packers. There's an article about it up at 105.3thefan.com. I believe Steven and Jerry commented on this on the station as well. Uh, good news for the Cowboys uh, in regard to Michael Gallup returning. However, uh, bad news regarding Lyle Collins. I mean, obviously we knew that Tyron Smith was going to miss time with his high ankle sprain. But now we find out that the two starting tackles at practice today are Connor Williams and Cam Fleming.
3: Yeah, now that's troubling. Uh, Lyle could, obviously, it's back issue. We don't know the extent of the back issue. Could be that he's back out there on Friday or even you know maybe even tomorrow and he's good to go and give it a go. But they do have to be prepared for that. And obviously with Tyron already out, your gut, Connor is your next best choice because you also have uh, Joe Looney that you can move around. Obviously, Xavier Cifuu. So there's a couple different ways that you can handle the interior, but Connor Williams is the next man up in terms of bouncing somebody outside.
4: It sounds like they have Sofilo graded higher than Looney at guard. You know, just based yeah. on what we saw in camp and preseason. And then here with their first team, offensive tackle being Connor, right tackle, at left guard. And I think it so,
3: also, though, KT, has to do with if something happens, he's your center.
4: Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. That's so, why he got all of almost all of his work in yeah.
3: camp was at center for that reason.
4: Uh, I, I would just hope that it's Wednesday and it's one of those things where you're just being real careful about things. That's what I hope. Yeah. So. Which, yeah.
3: you know, that's okay. We, we still got a little bit of time here. Uh, they've got to be prepared for that, though. Yeah. So, that's what the, is the
1: story on Connor McGovern? He's on IR, but can he come off? Will he? Is he going is, to come off this year? At
3: he may point? not, dude. He's got a I, torn pec, and then he re-injured it at the beginning of camp.
4: Hey, I think he's just a project guy now. Yeah. Okay. You know? I think you're looking at. Hopefully, maybe he can help you next year. Did Kayvon get ruled out for the year? By the way, I, I believe, believe. I believe so. so yeah. I thought that. Yeah. Full IR with him, and they signed Josh Jones to the practice squad. You uh, might have mentioned me. I asked Dave Hellman about him yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, Tuesday at eleven o'clock. The reason I asked that question is because I was tipped off by someone. Uh, really, someone just slid in my DMs and kind of hit me up and said, Hey, man, I think they're bringing Josh Jones in. Was I was really like, hey, hot. good heads up, man. Thanks. So that's why I threw that name out there. And sure enough, he's on the practice squad today.
1: All right. So, again, go to 105.3thefan.com and click on the story about Michael Gallup returning to practice. But, again, this is why you need to Tolo. We've been talking about this. We had a scoop that Michael Gallup was going to return this week. He needed to get up back out there and practice. And if he looked good, it was gonna he was going to give it a go. And I feel like Jerry and Steven both commented in that direction when you heard them on the station. So if you've been listening closely, you've known that that was going to happen this weekend. That should not surprise you. The bigger story, I think, is that Lyle Collins is out. And then probably for me at the receiver position, you know, Amari Cooper, that, that's problematic. Whatever's sure. going on with his foot, his ankle, is this the the broken bone in the foot? What is what is this?
3: Well, I think what he's dealing, I think that foot problem is going to be lingering, right? I think the current thing is the is
4: the ankle injury. It's the ankle, yeah. And that's it, the other one was the bone. It uh, was the yes, bruise. Yes, it was the other foot. And so, so it was both oh, okay. feet,
3: yeah. So what he's dealing with right now that's probably hindering him more would be the ankle injury. You know, kind of kind of work on this. What if uh, what if Gallup can go? You brought him back. And then Sat Cooper and you can sit him against the Jets. That's a- and then he's only playing one game in four weeks being the Philly game. That's not how football people think about well, I things. I know, I know. Just but it's it it's there. a long yeah.
1: season and you saw what this offense does without uh you know, without Amari Cooper. I mean it it looked bad at the start of last year. Now obviously there's there's a new play caller and there's some new wrinkles that they've added in the mix, and Michael Gallup has developed and Dak has developed. Um but man, I'm starting to have legitimate concerns about the health of these receivers. Heck, the health of the of the whole team now. With <laughs> your both tackles being out, and you're you're going up against a team in the Packers that have really good edge rushers. Yeah, they, they enhance that in free agency. Yeah. So this is a good pass rush, and you're going up with backup. I mean, hopefully Lyle plays. Lyle will play. This will be a maintenance day Maybe. type deal. Yeah. You know
3: who's saying "womp womp"? Is the Eagles fans are like, "Yeah, tell us about it." He's mm-hmm. getting
4: a rumbo Wednesday. I know. I, and then we'll see how it goes tomorrow. Because <laughs> I do not to think about his back until the Garrett Presser. There's a reason. I know sometimes you can go, well, the Garrett Presser sounds the same every day. Sometimes you need to listen. As Shippy just summed up in a tweet at Shippy Fun Sports. Who? Uh, Shippy. Uh, it's the Jim Carrey uh, gif from Dumb and Dumber of our pets' heads are falling off. Because they are kind of – that's bad news, Bears, if you're going Cam Fleming – Connor Williams, tackle. I used to
2: love the bad news.
3: Xavier, bears.
4: left guard. Especially coming off a week in which your offensive line got oh. dominated, doesn't make you feel good. Yeah. Good news is, guys, the Packers can only beat you through scheme. They cannot beat you by personnel and talent on the oh. defensive line. When it comes to stopping the run, the Packers can't beat you with talent or personnel. I feel like they we beat know you this tricking things up.
1: From watching the Cowboys play the Packers in so many big games here over the last couple of years, that Aaron Rodgers just showing up can beat you.
4: Yeah, that's true. If Devontae Adams doesn't play, see, I kind of see Cooper and Devontae Adams in the same way because they're talking about Devontae Adams. um, The thing that he might give it a go on Sunday is because he's got such a good release off the line of scrimmage. They kind of get ahead of the route a little bit. And Cooper's I kind of feel the same way about Cooper. Cooper's Mm -hmm. so good at getting free off the line of scrimmage. You know, I think they're worried about Devontae Adams getting started in the jam and all that stuff. Go jam him at the line, dude. Oh, it's gonna be fun when. Let's Sunday. be
1: aggressive. It's
4: gonna be fun. 325.
1: Ah, uh, this I is not it. good though. This is not good. Should ah, be. Yeah. It's you, not
4: bad. So it's, it's bad tomorrow. What do you
1: mean it's not bad? It's, it's bad, bad if it's tomorrow. Connor Williams is now not your left guard, so you're you've you're missing both sides, the left side of the line. You're missing both those guys. Connor Williams is now for a practice though. Yeah, but still, Just well, practice. I, he probably needs more practice than anybody at left guard. We've seen him
4: practice. They don't even try hard in practice. I don't think I Connor's don't, very
1: good guard, anyways. Hey Mickey, let's not act like nothing's wrong here. No, I'm just saying right. tomorrow.
4: I'll worry I tomorrow.
3: I think we. I think what is really going to happen is we're going to discover, man. Connor's not a guard. It's just not right. right. And signed, then what do you do? You signed your tackle. I'm just saying he's not. Just, just saying. What are you saying? I'm saying he's, saying he's not. He's saying that. I'm you better saying, today you, at oh, practice.
4: He's not a guard. Actually, but Sunday he's your left guard.
3: Actually, you know Charles Haley was saying it. It's we, not really we're, me saying it. I was. Oh man. We here talking about practice.
1: Yeah. Oh I think we're going to learn
3: that the nimble athletic guy shouldn't be
1: inside. All right. It's been his against uh, show 105.3 The Fan. We are reacting to just news. just
4: practice. They don't even do much.
1: Thanks, Mick. Uh, Mick will be back on with us again at noon. KT's got a fun stat coming your way at 1140. Coming up next, Kendrick Norton Jr. and his girlfriend, uh, Kiro. Is it Kira? Kyra? Kyra. Kyra, Kyra Williams. Uh, they're going to join us, and this is the – crazy story and a tragic story that's uh you know trying to find a silver lining in it and make a positive out of it Kendrick Norton Jr the different defensive lineman for the Miami Dolphins who was involved in a car accident that crushed his arm and his he lost his arm it ripped his arm off his body uh, and it was left there at the scene Kyra picked the arm up and took it to the hospital uh and they've turned it into a positive by looking at things uh, in a positive light and that's coming up next but before we get to that we got some time to go around the sports, and we should talk about why is Kawhi Leonard getting booed in his own hometown? Okay,
3: this this brings up a lot of different questions and something I've always had a problem with. So it's the Rams game. Maybe everybody is in a bad mood because the Bucks are up 11, but this is a fake football town with two fake football teams, and they flash L.A. Clipper Kawhi Leonard the MVP of the NBA Finals. Boy, if you live in Los Angeles, aren't you happy that the MVP of the league is coming to your town? Isn't that great? They flash him up on the jumbo board and he gets booed. Los Anglians are booing, Angelinos are booing Kawhi Leonard because he picked one L.A. team over the other L.A. team and one of the two L.A. football teams, the fans of one of the two L.A. football teams, are deciding to boo this L.A. athlete. Do you guys realize how stupid all this sounds? It's, it's pretty dumb. Your community is supposed to rally around the teams of your community. And if you want to make the argument, I can kind of get the baseball argument. I can kind of get, no, 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 I'm an American League guy, so I'm a White Sox fan, versus no, 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 mm-hmm. or I'm on the south side, or no, 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 I'm a I'm a Cubs fan because I'm an Ash. I can kind of get that. I, I don't understand why we have multiple franchises in one city. Population be damned. I do not get this. This would be like splitting Dallas and Fort Worth and pitting them against one another.
1: I think that wouldn't be a terrible idea. It's Man! much it's much better for teams to ha- own the whole market, obviously. Yes. But the population of New York is 8.6 million. 8.6 million people in New York City. in In which which was New Orleans? There's four hundred thousand people, so it's like, man, if if you have a business, I mean, as a we're talking about, I I look at things through the lens of a business. I'm not looking at it as a fan. As a fan, that sucks. You'd rather just have one team. I get it, but if you're a business and you're trying to have a sport with thirty two teams, well, having a second team in New York is way better than saying, you know what, let's go to Muskogee, Illinois. And uh, let's have a team there. I I get it from a business standpoint. I understand your frustration, too. But there's I mean, if you look at New York and L.A., New York is eight point six million people. L.A. is like almost five million people. Mm -hmm. Those markets are so giant that it's a better business model to have a second team in those huge cities than it is to go to these tiny towns.
3: No, I understand that, Ben. But fans don't care about business, which is why they
4: booed one of their own when he was thrown on a Jumbotron. The problem but. is conference segregation. It's not a problem with the Cubs and the White Sox, like you mentioned. It's not a problem with the Giants and the Jets, who play in the same stadium, like the Clippers and Lakers do. They're in the same conference. It's a bloodbath. Mm-hmm. Your rival. That's the well, problem. They, and then the NBA's got a Western-Eastern conference problem anyways. But that's the big problem there. It's not an issue for the Jets and Giants.
1: Would the Clippers be better off if they were in uh, El Paso? You know, I, I you no, know, I'd know. <laughs> I know. I think it's healthier for their organization to go ahead and be the second tier team in L.A. Right?
4: It's just to me, it's dumb that we still geographically divide conferences. I understand with divisions, mm-hmm. but conferences that seems kind of insane. And that's what the NBA has done for years. And that's what's top heavy now. And it's well, that's it's what difficult. every sport does. Football is divided by conferences, by divisions. But I'm saying the divisions are geographic. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. The conference is geographic but, in the NBA. And but that's are,
3: dumb to me. But what I'm saying is they're not because the Dallas Cowboys are in the NFC East. Those are based it's on all division, old... though. Yeah. The, yeah. But the division is not geographic. We live in Dallas, Texas. We shouldn't be in the yeah, NFC but East. For the
4: most part, if you look at most of the league, most of it's accurate by division. Yeah, I'm saying the the grand scheme of the NBA, but their conferences are. It's like here's the West side and here's the East side.
3: Yeah, That's I th-
4: dumb. I think that
3: they shouldn't have. I think that they shouldn't have divisions in the NBA at all. I agree. Um, and I also think that they should just take the best teams. I think they should try to play a balanced schedule and have the best teams. I mean, hell, sixteen teams make it anyways. I know. And and seed it that way. Uh, I don't. But I also don't think that there's like if you look at in the NBA, if you look at great rivalries. They're based on, they're not based on geography. They're based on historical NBA finals, Boston and LA. They're not even remotely related to one another.
4: But this is what I'm saying. Like the Laker fans do not want the Clippers to succeed because they're in the same conference. They're in the same building. They're in the same building, but (laughs) so are the Jets and Giants. But the Jets and Giants really care if the Jets and Giants win. Maybe it's a little trash talk, but it's not like how we would feel about the Eagles or the Redskins. Like it, it's because they're in our division, and to, we, they they're what they do directly impacts us. What the Jets do doesn't impact the Giants. What the Cubs do doesn't impact the White Sox. With the Clippers and Lakers, they directly impact each other because they're going up against each other in the same conference, and aren't division.
3: The, aren't the Jets? You guys know, aren't the Jets and Giants fans divided by what part of New York they're in? I don't know because I know that to some degree. Like for example, Cubs and White Sox, it's it's you know it's National League, American League, but it's also I believe. White Sox fans are on the na- uh, on the south side, yeah. and the yeah. Cubs or the yuppies on the north side. Accurate.
4: That's what I'm saying is, how, uh, you would you would hate the Texans if they were in our division.
3: Mm-hmm. Maybe. And because so maybe. because
4: the Lakers and Clippers are going to be like battling for playoff seeds, right? Like I want them to lose. No, you're right. I, 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 that and that's what inspires a boo.
1: Yeah. New York is so freaking big. All right, seven point one million homes. Okay, seven point one million homes. Two NBA teams, two NFL teams, two major league baseball teams, three NHL teams. Mm-hmm. Right, the Rangers, the Islanders, and the Devils. Yep, yeah,
3: New and, Jersey. And, yeah, and
1: it's and so New York
3: is is a different animal too because of the density of the population. Like New York is small. You have boroughs which is those are basically your equivalent to suburbs and then you have to love Long Island Jeff love uh or but Joe it's Burrows. it's all so very dense it's all like they're all right on top of each other
1: i mean it's like this is uh you know you can go all the way down the list and you, you look at uh wow uh so the packers the packers according to this list i just found online have the smallest population uh of any professional sports franchise
3: even more than some of these Canadian farms. Sounds like Wichita
1: uh, Falls, man. Yeah, in the USA. Okay. In the U.S. of A. Yep. So, yeah, they're at uh, 421,000. The uh, TVs, uh, homes, uh, I'm sorry, homes, uh, 421,000 homes. Buffalo, 587,000 homes. Memphis, 623. New Orleans, 624. Oklahoma City, 677,000 homes. And so you start looking at how small those markets are you kind of understand why they go to these bigger markets and say, all right, we're going to have two teams. It sucks, but you could do that for Dallas, Fort Worth. Dallas, Fort Worth is the fifth largest market Mm -hmm. and there's 2.6 million homes. And if you look at it, it's, you know, Philly's a little bit bigger. And then beyond that, Chicago, LA, New York. Now you start getting into these markets that have two teams. And so if teams continue to struggle in small markets and they can't get people to come there and they can't get new stadiums and, you know, you might see another team try to come to DFW, Dude, and I think if they did, and Jerry would block even, that. He didn't even want a team in San Antonio, <laughs> and he's very powerful. Yeah. But I mean, I wonder how they have those rights to do that.
3: It's really, it it really just comes down to how do these you know thirty something billionaires want it because that's when th- there's money to be made when a team relocates. There's new contracts to be signed. But think about that: Jerry blocked the Raiders from going to San Antonio. Said nope. we had him on last week, and he was talking about uh, how many people in the Texarkana area were more Cowboys fans than Saints fans, yeah. for example. Anyways, whatever. Man. I just think it's I think it's a bad sign when a guy who's originally from that area yeah. is going to a professional team in L.A. and stupid fake Rams fans that never supported their pro football team in the first place now are divided between two f- pro football teams are booing one of their own. It's just a state of stupidity. All right, so and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next, we're going to have two very special guests on. It is Kendrick Norton and Kyra Williams. And they were, Kendrick was involved, they were involved in a car accident. They were both hurt. But Kendrick lost his arm and it ended his career with the Miami Dolphins. They have an incredible story and they join us next right here on The Fan.
4: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers over think your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply
0: stomach you know trying to you know maneuver through the car uh, to get to the window and i tried to do a push-up to you know lift myself off the ground and um i tried to do it and i fell over on the side that uh, that I was missing my arm
2: and i crawled out of the car. He crawls out behind me, and I look and say, "Where's your freaking arm?" And he says, "Stop playing." And he looks down and says,
0: "And what's wrong with it? Is it bleeding?"
2: It's, it's literally missing. Like the, the half of his arm is missing.
0: I'm letting the fire department know that he's missing an arm. Okay. Right. Try to try to apply try to apply right. pressure on that wound. Okay.
1: Wow, really, really uh, just an emotional story that we talked about on our show. An NFL player's arm was severed in a car accident. And uh, we were so inspired by the player and his girlfriend. Uh, We're, of course, talking about Kendrick Norton Jr. uh, and his girlfriend, Kira Williams. We talked about this story. We played the audio. And we had a ton of great feedback. And KT was able to book them both on the show. So please welcome to the Benin Skin Show, Kendrick Norton Jr. and Kira Williams. Guys, thanks so much Hi, yes, thanks so much for joining us. We were inspired by you guys the way you look at life, the positivity uh, what you guys have done since this accident and, and so we're, we, we're honored to have you on the show and uh, let's start with you Kendrick you you know you just heard yourself there and you were talking about being in this accident you tried to do a push-up and your arms' not there you know just just walk us through how you've been able to stay so level-headed and even killed despite such a bizarre and and unfortunate accident.
0: Well, you know, I, I keep I say it over and over again because, um, you know, I, ha- I still have my life. So, you know, it's the biggest thing I can still go about. It. I can still walk around, talk regularly. I still, I'm still in my right mind. So it's a lot of blessings that came out of it. I mean, I, you know, it, it was just, you know, a piece of my arm. It wasn't, you know, I, like I lost my mind or anything. I still, you know, can accomplish things and accomplish different things in life. So it wasn't um, as big as other people may think it was. You know, of course, football was over, but... Or it could be over, but you know, it's, it's bigger things out there than that.
3: So, you know, a lot of people can have a, a woe is me attitude on things like that, but you, you did put it in perspective there. How has it been for you this first month of the NFL season, um, watching these games, if you are watching these games and, and knowing that you can't be out there? Um, well,
0: it was, t- it was a little tough at first for my first uh, couple games, and you know, so it was a little tough at first. But um, eventually, uh, it came, you know, I came around and it, it, settled, it settled and I'm, I'm pretty okay with it. I've been watching a lot of football lately because um, I've been trying to, you know, approach his broadcasting career and do different things like that. So I've been uh, forced to, to kind of sub myself in football a little bit
1: and uh kira williams joining us your girlfriend and, and kira i don't know when the next ESPYS are but you should be up for girlfriend of the year uh really <laughs> exceptional I
0: give all, that, all, all that right that's, that's that's
1: on the money i mean you are just incredible and we've been so impressed by you throughout this story as well but let's go back to just what it was an incredibly difficult night and we watched the story on espn and Hey, you had been tossed around in, in a car as well. You weren't doing well, but you waited for your own ambulance, and you you or you told that ambulance you're going to wait because they had already taken Kendrick to the hospital. You said, no, I'm going to go find his arm. Uh, can you walk us through what happened there when you had to go find his arm?
2: No, I had already seen the arm. When I noticed his arm was gone, I looked in the truck, and it was underneath the truck. So despite of my um, injury, I had my right uh, thumb was dislocated. So I'm in pain as well, and my thumb is hanging, like, from from the bone, and I'm like, I cannot leave his arm in the middle of the road. So I told him I'm not leaving. Call me another ambulance because I've seen the arm. So I'm like, I'm not leaving. There's the arm. I'm going to wait till the tow truck comes. So when the tow truck comes and lifts the truck up, I was able to, well, the people were, uh, the police was able to get the arm. So I'm like, I'm not leaving till I get that arm. Because me thinking it would be able to get sold back on, because I Googled. I'm a Google fanatic, so I'm always Googling. Hmm. So I Googled it, it says if, if the arm is detached, you can attach it back. If you keep put it on ice and if it's um, less than eight hours. So me thinking, okay, I can save the arm and, and Ken can get his arm back sold on but not knowing it was already severely crushed.
3: You know, uh, Kira, that's pretty incredible. And I'm curious, you know, you have the, uh, the trip to the hospital after you waited for the arm. What is it like emotionally or mentally knowing that you are traveling with your boyfriend's arm with you?
2: Uh, You know what I was, that, that was my first accident. So my adrenaline was so high. It didn't even bother me. So, I'm just like, we got in the, like, and mind you, I was in my phone, so I didn't even know we were coming. I just remember Ken saying, hold on, and I look up, and we're spinning, so, like, nothing, nothing matters, mind you, I'm in pain myself as my thumb is hanging off, like, uh, hanging from the bone, so him, I'm not even worried about his arm sitting on my lap. I'm worried about my thumb and making sure he's okay.
1: Golly, we are uh, so honored to have Kendrick Norton Jr. and Kira Williams on the show. Involved in a car accident uh, on the morning of of July fourth, and with regard to the car accident, uh, Kendrick, do you remember what happened to cause the accident? Do you remember any of that that led up to that?
0: No, I, I don't. It's, called, it's uh, pretty much a blur uh, right now.
1: Wow, man, that's that's got it's got to be a blur, but. And you talked about the people that arrived at the scene, and and you gave them credit for saving your lives. What what do you remember from after the accident happened?
0: Uh, no, I just remember a lot of people around me and there were, uh, a lot of uh, bystanders were working on my arm. So they were time belts. Uh, they put belts or a lot of belts around my arm. They tried to work on there to you know help stop the bleeding. And the analysts and paramedics and say um, oh, those the first people were on the scene. Actually, the ones who saved my life because of how how well they uh, did the tourniquets and things on my arm. They were able to address the bleeding and all the other stuff in my head. And they were able to address everything else quickly so I can go ahead and get in the ambulance and uh, get on to the hospital. So they say those guys are actually the ones that saved my life.
3: See, I feel like I could ask either one of you this question, since Kara is a Googler, but I really need to ask you, Ken. uh, Do you have sensations or feelings of your arm still being there? Or or what does that feel like you do?
0: Yes, it's called it's called phantom pain. So you have sensations and it's a different type of pain. So like um maybe I'll feel like uh my fingers are hurting on my hand and my fingers are itching or sometimes it may even feel like I've been located or something like that. So it's just different things. Like the R just feel like, you know, I feel the arm like even my first week in the hospital I was like I kept dropping my phone on the ground because, you know, I feel like I still have an arm you know, I had an arm on my life so i would be handing my cell phone to, the, to my left side, which is the hand I, that I lost. So I'd be handing myself my phone and I'd drop it and little
1: things like that. Ah, that's incredible. Have you always been, and, and you, I don't know if this is an awkward question to ask you, have you always been pretty tough? Because I know for me, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah. yeah, and Kira, you could probably attest to this. I mean, uh, how does a guy lose his arm and is, and is not freaking out in, in any ways? not – not really panicked. And uh, and then since the accident, he's like, hey, okay, man, I lost my arm. Now yeah. i got to go about things. He this hasn't guy's-
2: even cried. I tell people this all the time. This man hasn't cried yet about the accident. And the scene of the accident, he was like, I said, lay down. He laid down. You know, the people were doing his arm. From the hospital when he woke up, cause he was in a coma, induced uh, coma. So when he woke up, he didn't cry. He knew, he knew when he woke up what was going on. He hasn't cried when he got home. When he has to figure out different ways to do little stuff, he has to figure out another way. And if he can't do it, he'll say, babe, can you help me?" I know me personally, I would get frustrated. I would cry out I would be in my room. I want to come out. But he's taking it like, like no other. So I have to really commend him. He doesn't get frustrated. He- doesn't cry he just says i'm alive i'm blessed and he just keeps going literally every day all day this is his
3: attitude that's impressive i cry three times a day and i'm not even sure why Kara, uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself what do you do
2: I, is that i is that for me yeah again? that's for that's for you kara uh, i do real estate okay. so i buy and sell properties
3: okay and do you are is it commercial residential
2: it's residential.
3: Are you like one of these uh fixer upper folks that are out there buying? I don't do
2: much fixer upper. I just buy and rent them out. I try not to have so much, uh like so much fixing to do. But I just buy and rent them out, and then they like when the market goes up, I'll probably sell. If the market's down, I'll hold on
1: to it. Look at that! Now I've always wanted to do that. That's fantastic of you that you're out yeah. there doing that. And and we got to ask you about little Ken. Uh, because uh, you guys, refi- you, you saw, in, I saw in the ESPN story, Carrie, you're like, I refuse to call that thing a nub. Let's call it Lil' Kim.
2: Yeah, because, like, I'm I'm not used to a person with a half of an arm, so all this is new to me, but when I keep hearing, like, i this usually the nub, and I'm like... That make, that creeps me out. That makes me hard. And the first week we were home, I was crying. And kids like, get away from me crying. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to call that little kid instead of Nub no, because I don't want to be around here crying. So when I started calling that little kid, so now he's just joking. It's funny. So now, like, everybody sees us out there, like, how are you? How are little kid? they'll ask him, and I I just think it's funny. So it just helps me cope and not be so depressed to look at him like that. Because, so like I said, it just recently happened. So it kind of eats me up to say little kid instead of the no. Because I'm, I'm softy. He's more harder than me. I'll be around here crying. I can just look at him and cry sometimes. He'll be like, get away from the crowd. And I have to tough it up, and I'll be like, okay, you and the kid good? Yeah, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm all
3: smiles now. <laughs> That's a good approach. Nub really is just a horrible word. It's not a good yeah. word. It doesn't sound good. It's just, I think you guys made a good decision there. Okay, yeah. so you guys have a YouTube channel, correct?
0: Yes, Yes, we do. Yes, we do.
3: Okay, I'm sorry I should have directed that question. I'll, I'll ask you, Ken, tell us what, uh, what kind of stuff is on the YouTube channel.
0: Oh, um, basically we're just showing uh, us coping with our life after the action so, folks. We're, we're, we're just, you know, showing our everyday lives, just some, we may capture, like, different things we do, like, um, our last one, our last most recent video was uh, my son, surgery. we wanted to document that, because, you know, a lot of people wonder wondering and ask questions about that, so basically, we're just trying to show, uh, show people uh, that, you know, life can still go on after tragic things, or after things that happen that, you know, people may not agree with, or think it's too hard to move on, and people are depressed so we're just trying to give them, you know, show that you can still go through something and still smile and still move on with your life and still have a good life.
1: God, it's so inspiring and uh and and courageous and just awesome on every level. And Kira, you know, so here we are. We are in a we're in a top 5 market here in Dallas-Fort Worth. Cowboys a flagship radio station we got a lot of people listening and I guarantee you they want to know okay where do I go to watch this go ahead and promote as much as you'd like tell folks where they need to go to watch y'all's YouTube channel
2: okay you can definitely um go on YouTube or you can follow up of, go on YouTube and type in Canon Kira K-E-N-N-K-I-R-A new beginnings or you can follow us on uh, Instagram which is um, that's just gorgeous for me and Kendrick Norton for him and we always put up in our snap my little clips that you can um, swipe up to watch more and just have fun with us we get a lot of like, it's not really a prank show it's more like um, this is reality because we get a lot of people that like Ken and that young, young amputees and people that's been going through stuff and they say wow Ken you make me want to get up and work out I'm overweight on the town. Like Ken gets a lot of messages from people just like saying, like just by looking at him and, and uplifting, they want to go to the gym and see him working on the gym. So yeah, definitely make sure you follow us. This is everyday life. This is not perfect. This is the things that we do daily. So make sure you follow us on YouTube, subscribe and watch at Ken and Carol New Beginnings.
1: Guys, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Very inspirational story. We're we're cheering for you guys big time. Want to m- wish you much continued success.
2: Thank you no so problem. much for thank having you. us. Thank we really you. appreciate
1: it. All right, there they go. Uh, Kendrick Norton Jr. and Kira Williams. I like them. Wow, <laughs> incredibly likable. Incredibly likable. And uh, yeah, his uh, his Instagram account appears to be Kendrick Norton Seven at Kendrick Norton Seven on Instagram. Uh, the phone was breaking up there a little bit. Didn't get to quite hear exactly what she was saying there, but it's Ken and Kira, K-E-N-A-N-D-K-I-R-A. Uh, be sure to uh, to Google that and uh, New Beginnings. Go find that YouTube channel. We'll, we'll tweet it out here uh, momentarily as well. Coming up next, KT, you've got
4: an incredible statistic that's going to rock our world, maybe even a slew of statistics. What do you got for us? Will this stat make you feel better or worse about the Cowboys? Next.
3: It's the Ben and Skin Show 105.3 The Fan. We're very excited because one hour from now we're going to have Stars goalie Ben Bishop on. Stars start their season tomorrow night and uh, there's a lot of folks that think that they could go really far this year so we'll do a little Stars preview with Ben Bishop coming up here in one hour. Mickey joins us at 12 with the latest injury news if you haven't heard Lyle Collins missing practice today. Connor Williams bouncing outside to the right so we'll try to get to the bottom of all that but Let's talk about uh really the topic of the week has been the Cowboys' approach to the Saints game, how they approach it offensively. And they didn't throw enough on first down, did they, Tizzle?
4: Well, this basically, you know, they they ran it eleven times on first down, I believe it was eight times throwing it on first down, but they had success throwing the ball on first down. Um, and didn't put themselves in holes. So the athletic does this little feature and they do it towards the towards the end of the week. They really I think they pumped this thing out on Saturday. So the numbers I'm about to give you, the disclaimer is they are not taking into account week four. This is through the first three weeks. Okay. They haven't added week four yet into the mix. But I think you guys are going to be fascinated by all of this. Um, the first thing that I wanted to talk about is which teams are best at getting a first down before third down. So okay. which teams aren't getting third downs? They're just getting okay. the first down. Okay. So it's called a, an avoiding third down percentage, basically. What's a good way to avoid getting a third down? Hey, by getting seven yards on first down. We might do that through the air more likely than running. The number one team at avoiding third down percentage going into week four
3: was your Dallas
4: Cowboys at 33%. A third of the time they were avoiding third down. Mm. And that is offensive success. You will not get beat if you play that way. Yep. The other teams that are at the bottom of this I want you guys to take a look at these teams and tell me what they have in common. The New York Jets. They suck. They're 32. The Miami Dolphins. They suck. 31. 30th, the Arizona Cardinals. 29th, the Cincinnati Bengals. All four of those teams have not won a game yet, and they're at the bottom of the list of avoiding third downs. They're Mm. getting into third down situations, and they're losing. It's very
3: simple. Can I also say something, though? Bad teams find
4: themselves in third downs a lot. 28th on the list. Philadelphia Eagles. Oh. 27th on the list, the Chicago Bears. Boy, they're,
1: well. Okay, now, part of that could be opponents <laughs> you're playing, right? If your schedules were super difficult in the first three weeks versus your schedule being super easy, you'd have to factor that in.
4: Es posible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, es posible.
3: Bad teams are going to be looking at third
4: mm-hmm. down a lot because mm-hmm. they're bad. I thought that was pretty interesting uh, and just a pretty good look at at the Cowboys and, and. You know, we'll we'll see those. They, they probably fell out of the number one spot after week one,
1: right? Well, that, that's my point. Like the yeah. eagle, the Eagles are on that list, but the Eagles are a good team. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go look at the Eagles' schedule, they've had a couple of tough matchups, so that would factor yeah. into that, right? Over the course of the year, I wouldn't expect the Eagles to be at the bottom of that list if if they can get back to being healthy.
4: Now, another one right here is. We talked a lot about the Cowboys and the personnel grouping that they used. They use what is called 11 personnel. It's one running back and one tight end. So it's Zeke and Witten and three wide receivers. Now, this is – and it's most teams run most plays out of that personnel group. All right? But the question for this next stat is, which personnel groupings have been the most successful so far in the league? Now, the Cowboys personnel groupings, they have two in the top ten. All right? So i just go from the top here. The number one team in terms of yards per play – With The personnel grouping is the Ravens, and they're in 12. One running back and two tight ends. Remember, they famously took two tight ends in that draft a couple years ago with Hayden Hurst and then Mark Andrews. They're getting 9.7 yards per play with the two tight end set. Second is the Chiefs and 11 personnel. Three wide receivers, one running back tight end. Third place at 7.8 yards per play is the Dallas Cowboys and 11 personnel. Okay. All right? The Saints were fourth at 7.5. 7th in the league with the personnel grouping of one running back and two tight ends is the Dallas Cowboys at 6.9 yards per play. So more Jarwin in the
3: game? Well, hold on. Can I throw this out there because I think this is the perfect time to use it? Okay. Because this is this is where we talk about looking at numbers in a vacuum. Yes. Right? For sure. So listen to what uh earlier today uh Lombardi was on with uh Sean and RJ and it's clip number one out of that. Oh shit! He's not in there. Might be poop time. All right. So sometimes, well, but you basically, have conversations.
1: What he was saying was, I heard it. He was say he was saying, "Hey, don't just look at, uh, don't just look at you know these number studies in a vacuum. You have to realize that uh, there's other parameters and other things that go into it."
3: Yeah, listen to this. Here he is. It's clip number one on the Lombardi cuts because he's specifically talking about packages twelve. Groupings, 20, you know, 21, right? It's, listen to how he breaks this down.
0: Well, I think you've got to understand what analytics are trying to bring to the table. This, when the people start talking about, well, when they're in 11 personnel, they do this. Well, time out. When they're in 11 personnel, who's the second tight end? Who's the first tight end? If the first tight end is Troy Whit- Burton from the Bears, he doesn't block anybody. So they're really in 10 personnel. So you've got to really break down and peel back the analytics before you really could say, this is a fact. You know, when I see people on Twitter talking about pass coverages in the NFL, I'm sitting there like, you don't even understand what the coverages are. You could bring all 32 head coaches into a room and start talking coverages, and we would all be different. So I think you got to be careful when you're looking at the analytics.
4: Okay, that's fair. I guess what I would say is let's talk about this from the way the Cowboys use them. Okay. Uh, a lot of times when they're in their 11 personnel, Witten is not lined up in line. He's lined up in the slot. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, it's kind of what he's saying. Trey Burton of the Bears are known as a receiving tight end, or Zach Ertz, or Andrews, Kelsey. You, you brought up Baltimore yeah. and Andrews. He's a receiving there's, tight there's end. He's never going to block. Kelsey and anybody. the Chiefs. There's your best examples Kelsey and the Chiefs. Then 11 personnel. How often is Kelsey lined up in line? Jarwin
1: right. receiving tight end. Yeah, Jarwin's well, not a blocking tight end. But tight end. But the
4: Cowboys do mix it up. Sometimes they're in line, sometimes they're not. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so I mean, the, the point is is there a difference in Witten and your next wide receiver in terms of speed or. Well, the difference is they call Whitten a tight end, and they call the fourth wide receiver a wide receiver, and the tight end is in the game. That's really the only difference, right? So uh, I mean, if
1: he's broken out, I guess uh, if if because if he's near closer to the line of scrimmage, he's still a good blocking tight end.
4: Yeah, it's also but though, if he's but, but i saying if he, if he's split out and it's a four wide receiver look, but Witten's one of those slot guys. It's still 11 personnel, one running back and one tight end. Right. No, so, which,
1: which has to do with, you know, you're trying to get a matchup. If you like right. Witten against their linebacker, yeah. well, or is it, do you like Randall Cobb against their nickel guy? You sure. know what I mean? It's like comes down to that dynamic. Like once they see who you have in your huddle, they decide who they roll out onto the field to cover you.
3: Right. And, and that's also the point about, okay, we're going 11 personnel. Okay, so what is the tight end's function there? Who's matched up on them? What are they actually doing out of it? You know, we, we've talked about this briefly. I just like the idea of 22 for this team. Oh, yeah. Just for the simple fact of you can put them in so many different places. Maybe they're saving it. Maybe they're saving okay. it. And, and, and But also, like to Ben's point, the other team's got to figure out what do, what do we want out there? How many linebackers do we want out there? Do we want to go to dime? What do we want to do in this situation?
1: All right, so this comes down to this question, I think. And it, and it depends on who you're going against and who they would throw out there to – to counter your you know, your personnel that are on the field, but would you rather have Jarwin, Randall Cobb, or Pollard out there as your extra player, assuming Zeke's out there and Witten's out there and two receivers are out there, right? Because that's uh, what we're talking about. Uh,
4: Cobb for now. Right? But yeah. Cobb for now. You could, I, you, that
3: could change. I personally feel like they play differently, but I personally feel like, theoretically, Cobb and Witten play the same function of being the underneath chain movers where Jarwin is almost, to me, a more dynamic weapon downfield than Cobb is because of his size and athleticism. So it's like, I I don't know. I don't even know that I think
4: it's as as simple as that. Maybe the answer is all of them just need to be playing more. Right. right? Jarwin and Pollard need to play more than they've been playing. I
1: think Pollard is a guy, we saw him run away from Jalen Smith right in front of our eyeballs at at camp, and that's going to be a hard guy for a linebacker to match up with. Right. I want to see him involve more. And it doesn't necessarily have to be to your point skin at the expense of Zeke's playing time.
4: You can be 21, baby. It's just fascinating how much Pollard played in the Miami game. I know the game wasn't close, and then he gets two snaps the week before. That's and weird. It, that's weird to me.
3: It's bad. It's not just weird. It's bad.
4: That's, that's a weapon. A, that a, at, on look. a day
3: in which they couldn't get receivers open, you have a dynamic weapon
4: that's just out of the mix. Look at the drive you get your touchdown on, and Pollard and Jarwin were involved. Which quarterbacks are producing explosive plays at the highest rates? Again, this is just, just for the first three Mahomes. weeks. So, 20 yards is how we're going to define an explosive play. If you throw a six-yard completion and the guy runs for 15 yards and it's a 21-yard play, that counts as yep, an explosive play. Absolutely. Patrick Mahomes, number one at 18%. Next on the list. Are
3: you saying uh, 18% of
4: his plays have been explosive 20, plays? 20-plus, 20 yeah. Oh, my God. That's insane.
1: Uh, I know this. It is going to be Lamar, Lamar Jackson. Jackson.
4: Lamar Jackson's third. That's Dak. Um, Dak is fifth. Dak is fifth at 15.5%. Tom Brady's fourth. Jimmy Garoppolo, second. 49ers oh, wow. undefeated. Uh, undefeated. You, hate it.
1: you hate him. You don't ever give him
4: enough love. We'll see. They got the Browns. Garoppolo versus Baker Mayfield Monday night uh, could be a little fun. Hey, a little, prove it, guys. Let's be see it. what you got be here. be to I like check out that, that family
3: and friends section yeah. in that game. I'll be at the <laughs> Rack and Tours
4: concert, but uh, it'll be a good time. They're not counting. Uh Let's move on this way, guys. Which defenses are producing sacks slash quarterback hits at the highest rates? Now, this is through three weeks. Again, rolling out week four. Mm -hmm. Sack, quarterback hit percentage. Do you guys think the Cowboys are in the top half of the league? I think they're probably right smack dab in the middle. Sack, quarterback hit percentage? Yes. Okay, through the first three weeks, I would say they are not. I would say they're in the bottom of the league. They're 20th at 17.7%. Okay, 20th. Um, which, you know, not good. It'll, it's probably gone up a little bit after week four. And then they have a stat on here. It's uh, which defensive players are producing sacks, quarterback hits at the highest rates. All right. Which Cowboy defensive lineman so far, and again, small sample size. Was okay. this through four or three? Through three. Which Cowboys defensive lineman has the highest rate of sack quarterback hit?
1: I would, uh, I would. well, if it's just, and, by the way, if these it's are, rate, so it's just. Players have
4: to have 30 pass rush attempts okay. to qualify
1: so i don't know if robert quinn qualified
4: he probably didn't qualify right he didn't not get enough snaps. yet he had not enough snaps tyrone crawford that is correct tyrone crawford tied for 27th in the league the uh 49ers interesting enough they've got four in the top 50 i believe uh in terms of getting to the quarterback and that's part of the reason why they're undefeated uh the packers have uh, two they've got preston smith seventh in the league so If the uh, Lyle Collins injury is something, that's something to watch. I mean, actually, Preston Smith will be going up against Cam Fleming, and Zadarius Smith will be going up against Lyle Collins most of the
1: time. Well, let's find out how serious that Lyle Collins injury is. He's not practicing today. Uh, Cam Fleming and Connor Williams are your two tackles for the Cowboys offensive line. The latest on that injury front with Mickey Spagnola next on 105.3 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy,